Hello and welcome back. You're listening to season two of Adam Was Mad, a podcast where we discuss all things childhood mental health. I'm your host, Michelle, and each week I speak with a guest who either experienced mental health struggles as a child themselves, is parenting a child who has a mental health diagnosis, or who's a professional in this field. A quick cautionary note, many of our episodes do talk about trauma of various kinds, so listener discretion is advised. Every story is important and valued, and every story reminds us we're not alone out there. You have a village of people who understand exactly what you're going through and who can help. If you're looking to connect more closely with that village, join us on Facebook in the group Your Village by following the link at the top of today's show notes. When you join, enter your email to receive our free monthly resource. Hopefully you'll learn something new, hear something interesting, or truly just be reminded that you're not alone. Without any further ado, let's get to today's episode. My mental health journey officially began in my first pregnancy with my son. I was one of those women who experienced my depression in more of a rage form. A lot of mothers experience it. It is scary. It is disturbing for the mothers themselves because they don't want to be this angry and it's painful to be this angry. I am yelling at my children. I hate my life. I'm so depressed all the time. I came out and it was as if you come out from a fog. All the colors were brighter. The sun felt warmer. Like I was actually genuinely joyful. I didn't realize that motherhood could ever have happiness in it because I've never experienced it in in a happy state. It was tainted by depression for me from day one. And that's when I finally started healing, started coming out of it, started taking better care of myself. But it took, for me, it took a very long time to get there. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I'm speaking with Maria Yamachuk, and Maria is going to talk to us a little bit about her mental health journey. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Of course. So glad you're on with me today. So let's just start at the beginning. Talk to me about where your mental health journey began and tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so my mental health journey officially, I think, began in my first pregnancy with my son. And my son is seven. So, you know, roughly eight years ago is when it started. Um, You know, as a teenager, I think I was kind of one of those gloomy, depressive teens, but not to the point that anybody noticed anything. So, you know, it's a toss up whether I had depression back then or if it was just the hormones. But uh, officially, like, it all really hit when I got pregnant the first time. Um, uh, You know, most people talk about postpartum depression and I think a lot of people don't know that about 50% of postpartum depression cases actually start in pregnancy. And I was in the 50% for who it started in pregnancy. It was a wanted pregnancy, something we tried for. Um, So it wasn't, it was, I had on the surface had no risk factors. And yet, you know, once I got pregnant and a couple of months went by, stopped getting excited about it, started getting worried, was always crying, kind of hating my life, hating everything. And it kind of like stayed like that throughout pregnancy. And it got worse 
after delivery because I had I had a traumatic birth with my with my boy. Um, I ended up with an emergency emergency C section, even though we were planning a birth at a birthing center. So you can imagine that's a huge shift to then go in and have to have a C section in the hospital that with people I've never met in my life. Um, having to do probably something one of the most intimate procedures you could think of. Um, then we had trouble breastfeeding. I um, didn't really do well after the C-section in terms of like, I felt really numbed out by the painkillers at first. So the bonding didn't really happen with my son. I felt like, um, because on one hand, it was great. I was completely numbed out during the C-section. I didn't feel a thing. On the other hand, I think my body didn't actually register giving birth. So that bonding that we always talk about with the babies, it didn't happen. I also couldn't hold them right after birth because the way I reacted to the spinal block is I was shaking uncontrollably. My hands needed to be strapped to the table. And so my husband was the one holding him. So while my baby was there next to my head, I had no way of holding him, no way of connecting with him. So it like our bond didn't start out very well. And then things just kept snowballing. Like we had a lot of issues with feeding. Nobody had any good answers. All I knew is that there were sleepless nights, um, almost no break from my baby. Um, I didn't feel connected to him. I felt like uh, he was just this thing I needed to feed and care for. But it was more of like a cognitively knowing this is my responsibility rather than feeling like this is my son and I want to take care of him. And um, as the you know postpartum period went on, I was one of those women who experienced my depression in more of a rage form. Um, I was very angry, very, very angry. I experienced my postpartum depression and anxiety as rage as well. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that that's a way it can manifest. I never did because yeah. prior to pregnancy and birth, I had always heard of it called the baby blues, right? And so, you know, and and kind of similar, how do you think about a depressive episode in general? You yeah. feel sad, you're crying, exactly what you described experiencing during pregnancy, worried all the time, you know, not wanting to get out of bed, but you don't necessarily associate rage with depression and anxiety. And mine certainly came out in that way, just like yours did. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And in some ways, uh, the mental health community only started recognizing postpartum rage as a legitimate symptom of postpartum depression in the more recent years. Because even when I was pregnant, uh, you know, I had my baby seven years ago, even seven years ago, we didn't talk about postpartum rage as much. It was just starting to talk about it. So I want to say it's in the last five years that we've really started looking at it as like, this is a legitimate symptom. A lot of mothers experience it. It is scary. It is disturbing for the mothers themselves because they don't want to be this angry and it's painful to be this angry. And also um, society uh, doesn't really accept an angry woman very much. So you might not be getting as much help from, you know, your partner or your relatives because they look at you and it's like, you're so angry. You're such a mean person. Like what is wrong? with you when in reality um it is part of depression but also it could be part of the fact that you're burnt out you're drowning you are not um keeping up with everything you feel completely overwhelmed and that's why that anger is there and that anger needs to be looked at as a symptom as a symptom of this mom is drowning rather than oh she's a mean person and yeah right. it was it was hard it was a really painful time in my life for sure did you experience intrusive thoughts at all 
Um, not to the point that they were disturbing. So intrusive thoughts, everybody experiences them. So I could tell you, I absolutely envisioned dropping my baby down the stairs, falling with him, smothering him with a pillow, a lot of these things. And I want to tell to any mom out there, it's normal. Every single person has them. It's when they are so overwhelming that you can't leave your baby or you feel like you can't uh, take care of them is when they're a concern. I, mine never got to that point. They were just kind of they're fleeting, annoying for sure. But I've also realized that like, if I look back at my life, I've always had them just pop in and out because that's just part of normal human experience. My postpartum depression was, I mean, anxiety was a lot less of a um, thinking anxiety. Like I wasn't as worried that he wasn't gonna like breathe or that I like, I can't sleep away from him. I had a lot of physical um feelings about it I would sit down to feed him and all of a sudden my heart would start racing as if I ran for a long time or I'd get like this pit in my stomach or like this kind of like this fear would come over me but it couldn't trace it to anything there wouldn't be like a thought going along with it. it would mostly be like my body basically freaking out rather than it being a cognitive thought process but then when I look back on it I also realize I did maybe if I didn't have thoughts but I definitely had behaviors that were very um congruent with somebody with anxiety um I would uh very much not let my son be anywhere outside of where I can't be next to him it was always like I would come up to every single one of his screams so like it was my goal in life for the first like six months until it kind of clicked in my head of like what am I doing that he wouldn't ever cry that was my goal that he cries I'm there within like a split second and it was like an obsession of mine so I would get very angry when my husband would take care of him and he wouldn't immediately stop his crying I would fly in in this rage of like what are you doing you're basically messing up this grand plan of mine that like my child will never cry and then I also realized I had a very unhealthy attachment to the baby monitor because we let our son sleep in that room until he was about six months old and then we noticed at six months he's getting really bothered by us going to the bathroom you know going to sleep like he started waking up so we're like okay he's ready to move on and he was he took to it like a champ but I had that baby monitor run the whole night so I could hear his sound machine and everything all these things that I absolutely hated because I like to sleep in complete silence but yet I had the screen on the whole time. So like my room was never fully dark. My room was never silent. And I had that until he was like a year at least. And then I remember turning it off and sleeping the first night. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. I feel so much better. But that was like my way, my fears of, <clears throat> you know, my baby is sleeping across the hall from me and like, I don't know what I imagined would happen, but I had to monitor. And again, it was like this every single cry. I needed to hear it. I needed to respond right away. So like my anxiety was more like that in me, like doing these things, less so in like thinking and ruminating about a lot of these things. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you differentiate between the two because, you know, everybody's, everybody's anxiety does manifest so differently. And what you're describing, your physical reactions, right? Your heart racing, your sweaty palms, you know, this anxiety that you can't pinpoint where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of that, but I had all of the thinking things, right? I had all of those really horrible intrusive thoughts to the point where I couldn't be in a separate room from him. I couldn't take him to the grocery store. I was too afraid of what might happen, 
you know, somebody, you know, an active shooter in the grocery store or a car accident on the way, you know, I was really paralyzed with, with fear and couldn't be away from him because mine was that thinking experience of all the horrible things that might happen. I think it's important to point this out because neither of those things uh, is any lesser and you don't have to experience both to be experiencing postpartum anxiety or postpartum trauma even. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I'm just so glad that you pointed that out because people don't, you know, if they say, well, oh yeah, I have a lot of rage, but I don't have heart racing. Well, that doesn't mean you don't have postpartum anxiety. You can have any or all of the above and (laughs) be experiencing postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And you still need that help. Yeah. And so how did you get help? Did you get help? I didn't. I will be ashamed and say that no, I did not. I was one of those people who part of my childhood trauma, I think, got activated. And this message of you don't have it as bad as others was Mm. the message that was playing in my mind from the moment I essentially gave birth. And that kept me from getting help because I I will be honest, I don't remember a lot of the details from my son's first like year. I remember being angry. I remember yelling at my husband a lot. He claims that we talked about this and he brought it up and said that he wanted me to get help and I denied it. And I will be the first to say that I do not remember that. He may Mm -hmm. very well be telling the truth, but I have no recollection of that. I denied it. I thought the fact that because I'm a mental health professional myself, that was supposed to somehow safeguard me from this. Not sure why, but that's what I thought. And then that piece of everybody has it worse. And only years later, when I started talking to a lot of other people and to therapists, and I've kind of realized, you know, actually, I had it worse than pretty much any of my friends. And that isn't to, you know, to downplay anyone's experience, but it's also to point out that don't ever compare your experience. Like it doesn't have to be worse or better than anybody else's, but as long as you're in distress and you're not feeling good, it is worth getting help. But I yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah. I was in that state where I was like, nope, not going to do it. And, you know, it took me a very long time. I've only truly gotten over all of my depression only the last year and a half when I started practicing like EFT tapping, which is basically the method I use in my coaching and I use it in my therapy practice as well. Um, So it was, you know, from the point of pregnancy to the point of when I started getting better, it was seven years, all because I didn't get help in that early period. Yeah. And so many people don't get help because they do have that thought that, you know, what I'm experiencing just isn't that bad, or I should be able to deal with it. I cannot tell you the number of times that I was on the phone with, you know, friends at four o'clock in the morning going, you know, why can't I feed my baby? I should just be able to feed my baby. I also struggled with feeding issues with my oldest and it it's just that that feeling of we should be able to do this we should be able to get through this and i think a lot of that has to do with what we were mentioning earlier this idea of the baby blues well you should just be able to push through something that is called the baby blues yeah. <laughs> but you don't necessarily need to and you shouldn't have to push through postpartum anxiety and depression which is really what you're experiencing yeah. um i didn't get help either until i had basically a mental breakdown in my OB's appointment. I went to my um, OB appointment. I want to say it was like, it wasn't the, you know, first six weeks after appointment. It was something further down the line than that. But I went in and she asked me 
how I was sleeping, I think, was the question that really set me off. And of course, I wasn't sleeping at all. Not that my baby wasn't sleeping. He was sleeping a bit, a bit, you know, as much as a newborn would, a bit. (laughs) I was awake like you all night watching the monitor, jumping up at every cry, sleeping on the floor of his nursery because I didn't feel comfortable sleeping in the other room. I mean, just having a massive amount of anxiety and getting absolutely no sleep at all. And I just started sobbing and my OB said, you need to go see a therapist like this afternoon. (laughs) And I started going, I think at the beginning, when I first started seeing a therapist, I was going two or three times a week just to sort of get me through that crisis point Mm -hmm. until I could start going once a week, then once every couple of weeks. And I saw her for a really long time and it was amazing the difference in having that support versus feeling like I was all alone out there in the world. And so many women experience this and feel like they have to go through it alone and they don't. Um, So tell me a little bit, when did you finally decide to start getting therapy or start working through some of this? You mentioned like a year and a half ago. So a year and a half ago, I kind of started on my own journey to healing because that was the thing. I, around the time of COVID, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, kind of like everybody else with COVID, right? And I reached (laughs) out to my old therapist, the one that I worked with, you know, back in my 20s, way before my my kids and I worked with her and then I realized that you know she's not a good fit for me anymore because she can't help me with the motherhood issues that's not her specialty whatsoever so I felt like that didn't really help and then I think we kind of kept coasting like with this COVID anxiety and just then we had we moved states we moved from North Carolina to Illinois so there's just like so much busyness and then when we finally moved to Illinois two years ago and finally started settling in I also started having this point of like, I am completely breaking down. Like I've been on this journey for at that point, like five years, right? Um, I am yelling at my children. I hate my life. Like I'm so depressed all the time. Like in, in like this heavy, more typical depression of like, everything's hopeless. I have no value in this life. Like just completely just dragged down it was experiencing no joy and also having health issues along with it so I was like okay mm-hmm. it's to look for something and that's where EFT tapping like a training like crossed my path through Facebook because obviously Facebook reads all, all your emails and stuff like of that course. <laughs> you know I had like a class like pop through I was like okay you know what this is cheap you know what am I going to lose So I signed up for this course and the good part about it was that um, the first part is about healing yourself. And then the second part is about using it with your clients, which I think is a great way to um, put out a tool because then you get to experience it for yourself. You get to see like, does it actually work or is this a bunch of mumbo jumbo? And I, I saw it, I worked on myself and I'm like, oh my God, this works and I'm actually helping myself. So I work by myself. Um, I also work with a lot of other students because we would exchange sessions and having each of these individual pieces of working really finally I managed to crack what this depression was about, what was underneath it. And with EFT tapping, I was able to finally clear it, release it, and then move on with my life. And it was literally at some point, I remember it was, I think it was last summer, I came out And it was as if you come out from a fog, like, you know, all the colors were brighter 
the sun felt warmer. Like I was actually genuinely joyful. Like, sure, those moments go in and out because even when you're completely healed, you're never like happy all the time. But I would have moments of joy, which I honestly forgot what that felt like. It, I honestly, mm. it was like six years in that I don't remember what that felt like. I didn't realize that motherhood could ever have happiness in it because I've never experienced it in, in a happy state. It was tainted by depression for me from day one. And that's when I finally started healing, started coming out of it, started taking better care of myself. And, you know, once I started doing that, you know, I'm a better mom. I'm calmer with my kids. I'm not going to say I'm calm. I think there's a lot more work to be done there, but I'm definitely calmer and I'm, you know, enjoying life and I'm able to lean in into a lot of different things that I wasn't able to before, but it took, for me, it took a very long time to get there. Yeah. And it occurs to me that if it took you as a mental health professional that many years to recognize that you yourself had additional work to do around this area of your life, no wonder it takes other people so long and it it's never too late. You know, it, you don't have to look back and say, well, I had my kids 10 years ago. You know, I'm not even going to think about that anymore. It's never too late to find help and to start processing the feelings around that because your body really does remember that trauma. Um, I have two questions for you. So yeah. if you were to look back and talk to somebody who's maybe, let's say they're a year or two out from giving birth, They've sort of settled into parenthood, right? But they just don't feel or experience that joy that you talked about. They they listen to this and they hear you say, I found joy in motherhood. And it hits them that they're not experiencing joy in motherhood. What advice would you give them? I would give them to start soul searching a little bit. I know it can be intimidating to work with somebody right off the bat, but maybe start soul searching, maybe buy some, you know, I bought some like self-coaching books to, you know, some answer questions about myself, basically to start reacquaint myself. Uh, that would be a great first step. It's less intimidating. It's cheaper. It allows you time to kind of get to know yourself again. Now, when you're past that point, you're feeling like, okay, I've done all I could do by myself, but I'm still not quite where I want to be, is when you want to start looking for people, looking for coaches, looking for therapists, um, you know, come out of the stigma that therapy is for somebody who's really sick. Therapy is for everybody. Even if you're good, you can still get therapy because it's for support. It's for improvement. It's just, you feel better because you do not have anyone in your life, like a therapist who's sitting there and just listening to you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's for therapy. If let's say therapy, you're like, you know, my area is completely booked out. Can't find anybody, which is not uncommon right now in the U S coaching is really good for that. That's part of the reason why I started my coaching business is that to give moms another avenue to work on themselves and to focus on this joyful part on uncovering what is holding them back from feeling that joy, from finding balance in their motherhood journey. Like why is that just not feeling the way that they always imagined? So coaches would be a great, um, a, a great other avenue. Like I wouldn't say one is better than the other in terms of therapy or coaching. It's all about what you have available, um, what you're connecting with. But I would absolutely start sort of doing the self-help route first and then find somebody else to work with. Joining mom groups is also really good because, you know, as we talked a little bit before, um, it's really important to hear that you're not alone. And you will find mm -hmm. that there's lots of moms that are going through this because sometimes in this newborn stage, you really are just pushing through it because it's pure survival. And then when they're toddlers, 
it's survival in a different way, but it's a survival that allows you a little bit more time to stop and think and be like, okay, now I have a little bit more time on my hands and I just, I don't know where I'm at in life. So, and connecting with other moms and hearing their stories, it normalizes it for you, makes you feel not so alone. So finding support, finding somebody to work with is how you get out of this. I love that. And I absolutely agree. The most important thing is that I want people listening to this to take away is that they're not alone. They're not alone out there. They're not the only people experiencing this in the entire world. There are other people out there going through the same thing you are. You just need to find them. So I'm, I love that you said that. Um, and my last question for you is what about people who want to find you? We've mentioned a few times that you're a mental health professional yourself. You have a new coaching business or not a new coaching business. You have a coaching business. Tell me how people can get in touch with you if they'd like to. Yeah, so I'm a therapist in Illinois. So if you're in Illinois, you can look me up and you can work with me. Um, but if you're not in Illinois, I am also a coach. And my uh, website is called parentonboard.com. And it's for moms mainly, but, you know, I welcome moms. If, you know, your partners are there with you, we can work all together. But my program is really helping my moms find that joy, find that fulfillment and motherhood and essentially reacquainting themselves with this new version of themselves as a mother, because we're completely, well, no, let me just back up. We're not completely different. We are a different version of ourselves. There's an old version of us that needs to be honored and brought into this piece, but then there's also a new version and it's hard sometimes to put them together. And part of my coaching is helping you figure out who you are now, how to honor your old self, how to bring it into your new self, but also how to honor your new self with your new needs and how to find balance in motherhood, how to find inner joy and inner peace and how to be more a more calm parent, because we know that, you know, once we become moms, that relationship with our kids is really important. It's a really huge part of our life. And when that relationship isn't doing well, and when we know that we're partially to blame because we are struggling with our own mental health issues, and because of that, we're impatient, we might be yelling at our kids, we just might be, you know, more strict or just things are not connecting. We're not connecting with them when we work on ourselves and we realize that, you know, once we feel better, we can connect with them better. I feel like that is the biggest gift that we can give to ourselves and to our children. So I help my moms with all of that. We sort through it together. Again, together is the part I emphasize. I'm there with you. You might be the one doing all the work, but you're not there by yourself, which is the important part is you have a partner. And that's what I really focus on is helping my moms, giving them that partner and giving them a little bit of nurture themselves that they didn't get because that's what happens to a lot of us moms. We don't get that nurture. And, you know, if you want to kind of see what I, a little bit more of what I do, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook or on TikTok. And the handle is Parent On Board Coaching. Perfect. Listeners, we're going to have the links to all of Maria's social media and all of her information so you can get in touch with her in today's show notes. Maria, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been lovely. Oh, thank you for having me, Michelle. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow or subscribe and check out today's show notes for free downloadable resources and a link to join your village, our Facebook community. Catch you next time.